This is Trinity Western University's Chapel Podcast, where our daily chapel gatherings are captured and shared for the TWU community. Whatever your day looks like today, we're glad you're tuning in. So as many of you know, we're in Missions Week, as it was said earlier, and uh, we had a preacher past couple days, Professor Day from Goring Conwell, and now for the next two days, we'll have a, a different preacher, um, and then we'll have uh, Praise Chapel on Friday. So this preacher is uh, serving on staff at a church in Long Beach, California. She is actually the Assistant Director of Community Life and Women's Ministry at uh, Light and Life Christian Fellowship. She has a master's degree from Fuller Theological Seminary. She's actually pretty familiar with these parts because she was raised in Vancouver. Put your hands together like you actually know Jesus for Susie Gomez. Um, I grew up not far from here, actually in North Vancouver. So just up the street, um, a lot of streets. But uh, this is my hometown. But as was said, I've spent the last 20 years in Southern California. So the first 14 years in Southern California, I spent in South Central LA. Um, I did ministry there with a missions organization. And now for the past four years, my husband and I and our four beautiful half Mexican, half Korean, Latasian babies um, have been living in North Long Beach. So I often describe myself as someone who is Korean by heritage, Canadian by birth, Mexican by marriage, and American by immigration. So it's funny that I should be here this morning, back in my hometown, preaching from the book of Daniel. Because like Daniel, uh, I know what it is to be a foreigner, an alien, someone who resides in one place, but doesn't ever completely feel at home anywhere. So I remember it was um, maybe in the first or second grade, I was on the swings on the playground, and there was this young boy, younger than me, uh, maybe a year or two, so he was like kindergarten, first grade, and uh, we're swinging on the swings, and he says to me, what are you? He said, are you Chinese or are you Japanese? And I said, I'm neither, I'm Korean. And he said, no, you're not. There's no such thing. And then he jumped off the swings and walked away. Um, all I know is that that boy today better not be sitting somewhere eating Korean barbecue, <laughs> using some sort of Samsung device, or listening to BTS. Uh, unless he's living under a rock, I'm sure that by now he knows what a Korean is. Um, but I'm not mad about it. He might not have known what a Korean was back then, but I knew. Uh, I knew and I was proud of it. Maybe I wasn't as proud of it back then, but I'm very proud of it now. And it's, it's a part of who I am. It's a part of my heritage. And it's as much of who I was as being Canadian was. Um, although Korea was the motherland for me, home was Canada. But later on the same playground, I'd hear someone else yell to me, go back to where you came from. And it was confusing because, well, I came from here. So many of you sitting in this room have probably felt something like that at some point. You either feel like you don't belong, that you're not wanted, or that you're different. Daniel knew what it was like to be different. He knew what it was like to live in a country that was not his own. And most especially pertinent here, he knew what it felt like to not be wanted. Uh, Daniel had some haters. 
Some of you may not have been here yesterday or it may have been a while since you've looked at the book of Daniel. So as I'm going to read from Daniel 6 verse 10, I want to give you a little bit of background. Um, Let's remember that Daniel was a Jewish exile serving in a foreign kingdom. He was called into the king's service because he was considered the best of the best. Actually, he was the best amongst the best. To his co-workers, um, he was a bit of a threat. The other administrators and the satraps, they devised a plan to try and trap Daniel for some kind of wrongdoing. They knew that Daniel was different. In fact, the scriptures say that he was exceptional and he was distinguished from the rest. Daniel had a spirit of excellence. His excellence made him excel. So the king had it in mind to put Daniel over the entire kingdom. And this made the haterism rise amongst his peers. His exceptional qualities made them feel threatened and insecure. So they set out to set him up. See, the only problem was that Daniel was so righteous and upright that try as they might, they couldn't find any dirt on him. So they knew that the only way that they were going to trap Daniel was if they found him guilty of something that pertained to his worship of his God. Because that was the one thing that Daniel never swayed on. Uh, he never changed despite the changing of the guard. He had served under other kings, but he never changed in his worship and his commitment to the living God. So, so the other guys, they, they tricked the king into issuing a decree that anyone who prays to any god or human during the next 30 days, except to the king, would be thrown into the lion's den. And being thrown into the lion's den meant certain death. They wanted to get rid of Daniel. They wanted him dead. So um, they knew that Daniel was a man of consistency, someone who was not easily shaken, and above all, he was faithful. They didn't do all of this scheming. They didn't trick the king and they didn't try to get this new law in place for nothing. They didn't, they didn't do this just so that Daniel would stop worshipping. In fact, they knew that Daniel would not stop worshipping his God. The reason why they did all of this trickery and, and scheming was because they wanted to get rid of Daniel. They were in the darkness. He was in the light. And the darkness hated the light. They had to make it a crime for him to worship his God. And they had, it, they had to make it punishable by death. So here's where we find ourselves now in verse 10 of Daniel 6. Daniel 6 verse 10 says, Now Daniel, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree that you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel. And he made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, 
and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you who you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. Daniel had some haters. These are not the everyday playground kind of bullies either. These guys wanted Daniel gone, and Daniel knew it. It took some scheming behind his back to get the king to issue this degree, but Daniel knew that this new law was going to impact him directly and immediately. He knew that the people would be watching him. So what did Daniel do? He didn't go home and start worrying about what he would do differently. He didn't start justifying to God why maybe he should start praying in a different location where everybody else couldn't see him. Daniel did exactly what he always did. Three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed to the true and living God. He gave thanks and he asked God for help. He didn't change what he did. Daniel was a man of consistency and faithfulness and everybody knew it. So when Daniel went upstairs and he prayed where everybody could see him, either Daniel was a man with a death wish or he was a man of unshakable faith who didn't mind being different. Daniel was a man who knew who he was. He was a servant of the Most High God. And he knew his purpose, to serve the Most High God. This is who he was and this is what he was made for. He had confidence about it and he was good at it. You know, I've always envied people who are great singers or dancers. And then there's those people who make you really mad who are really good at singing and dancing. Um, but, you know, one way to know if a person is a good singer is if... Um, you know, a person might be in a room by themselves and they don't know that anyone else is there and they might be belting out a song and then someone comes in. And if you're a person like me, if someone came in, in my mind, I sound like Whitney Houston, but as soon as I see someone else, I stop and I get embarrassed and I quit singing. But someone who's a good singer, who's confident in what they do, who knows that they were made with a voice that maybe glorifies God, uh, someone like that might see somebody come in and they might just ask them to join along or they might start singing to them. They're not the type of person who shrinks back because other people are in their presence. They have confidence about who they are and what they were made for. So uh, if you're a good singer, keep doing it and do it unto the glory of God. I will not be singing in front of a group of people like this. Um, it's good to be self-aware or conscientious about what, what other people are thinking or feeling. But sometimes we cross over from being conscientious and we get to being self-conscious. Insecurity and attributing too much value to what other people think about you can actually be a huge hindrance to the calling of God on your life. When you care more about what the world thinks than what God thinks, you become more and more worldly rather than godly. Which shouldn't godliness be the goal of all followers of Jesus? See, Daniel got good at praying because he did it often. He prayed often because he knew he was called to it. And because he was good at it, he didn't have to hide what he was good at, even when other people were watching. See, the thing about what Daniel was good at was that he wasn't good at what he loved to do because he was chasing after shine or chasing after fame or a platform. 
Daniel was good at being submitted to God. He was good at giving thanks to God. He was good at asking God for help. And because of this firm foundation, he excelled in whatever he did. Daniel was humble. He was committed. He was passionate. He was consistent. He was humble and he was grateful. And while everyone else was concerned about elevating or preserving themselves, Daniel excelled and was set apart from all the rest because he did not rely on his own strength. He didn't rely on his own strength to interpret dreams or to tell the king things that uh, the king might not have wanted to hear. He didn't rely on himself to be saved from the lions. Daniel's reliance and submission to the Lord was, Lord was the thing that over and over again got him out of trouble and also put him in places of favor and influence. This is one of those very cliche type sayings um, or something that you'd see like an inspirational quote of the day as you're scrolling through Instagram. But I remember reading this, this saying and I've thought about it a lot of times over the course of my life. The saying is that the safest place is in the center of God's will. But we, we know what that actually means, right? Um, it's definitely not that living in accordance with God's will means that you will always be safe from harm. If you knew who, who is famous for saying this phrase and what she meant by it, you'd know that that's certainly not what she meant. The woman who said this was Cory ten Boom. She was a Dutch Christian who was imprisoned for helping Jews escape the Nazis. Her and her family are said to have helped almost 800 people um, under the regime of the Nazis. She knew what it meant to do dangerous things, to risk her life to do the things that God was calling her to do. And she and her family paid a great price. Her entire family was arrested. Her father died soon after being put in prison. And Corey actually witnessed her sister being killed. And she says that her sister died with these words on her lips. There is no pit so deep that he, God, is not deeper still. These were modern day Daniels in the lion's den. Like Daniel, Corey Ten Boom's life was spared from the pit. She was spared from the concentration camp. Her life was spared, but not without suffering and not without having to trust God in the midst of really tough circumstances. <clears throat> Some people will argue that we're in tough days right now, especially as Christians. Um, some people will argue that Christians should obey the law of the land. And I'm not going to get into politics. American politics are really messy right now. I know that Canadian politics can be too, right? Um, but this can apply in a variety of different scenarios. Obey the law of the land. But if a law is unjust, breaking the law is not always a sin. And on the flip side, sin is often not a crime. So we can't rely on the government or the world around us, even if it is the law, to define what is right and wrong for us. Corrie ten Boom and her family didn't allow for the law of the land to define what righteousness and justice looked like. Romans 12.2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So let me ask you, who defines righteousness for you? What voices do you listen to? If we're being honest, especially in this day and age, 
it's really hard not to conform to the patterns of this world. Because so many people do live according to the patterns of this world, many people don't know what God's will is. I'm a little older than most of you in this room now. Um, so looking back, I can say this, especially in this day and age. It was hard for me back then, but I think especially as I think about the life that my kids are about to lead, um, and especially for you as college students right now, I can't imagine how hard it is to want to live differently than the world. In an age of Instagram and, and Twitter and Facebook, social media platforms really invade our minds a lot. So depending on who you follow, whether they be celebrities or even your peers, it's hard not to play the comparison game. Because you look at somebody's highlight reel on Instagram and then you, you start to compare. Whether you know it or not, as you look at these things, you start playing that game and something, sometimes people need to take a break from social media because they recognize that it's not really all that good for your soul when you get trapped at looking at what everybody else is doing and letting their lives define something about your own. The enemy can use something like social media to invade your sense of identity and your sense of purpose. You know, many people would actually describe Canada as a post-Christian nation. Uh, Christian influence is not on the rise in Canada, it's declining. And um, for you as college students who are about to enter into the world of adulthood, you have a big, scary world in front of you. If you don't have a firm foundation here, it's going to be easy to lose your sense of identity. So I urge you, while you're here, these years that you're here at Trinity Western are a gift to you. Make sure that you have a solid foundation. People are going to make assumptions about you when you say that you're a Bible-believing Christian. They might say that you're narrow-minded or that you're rigid or prudish or even boring. And so much of our society spews lies at us. I live in L.A. where you can't go down the freeway without seeing billboards upon billboards trying to scream messages at you. So that's why we have to take the message of Romans 12 too seriously. Do not let the world define for you what your life should look like. Be consistent about being renewed and transformed by God. Renew your minds by looking at the guidebook for life. Look at this, not as a bunch of holy suggestions, but the thing that is the lamp unto your feet. The thing that will transform you and renew your mind when the world is trying to tell you a bunch of lies. What you see matters. What you hear matters. What you see and what you hear affects how you think. So be conscious about what you allow to send messages into your soul. Because when you believe those things, you act a certain way. So let's not spend too much time allowing the worldly messages inform how we should look, feel, and act. Let's not forget that the word tells you to be set apart. As followers of Jesus, we need to live a little differently. Maybe a lot differently. I'd say in a way that draws curiosity out of people. How are you going to be the salt and light of the world if you're afraid to shine? I think a lot of us, maybe we chalk it up to fake humility. Or maybe some of us say, oh, I'm not ready yet. But if you're a follower of Jesus, no matter where you're at in your journey, God is calling you to live differently, set apart from the world. And if you have a firm foundation of giving thanks to God, recognizing that you need his help, he will allow you to excel in whatever it is that you are doing. 
You might not be put in charge of cities and nations. But where you're at right now, even as a student amongst your peers, maybe you have a part-time job, wherever you go, God calls you to live differently, to shine unto his glory. I know I'm running out of time, but I want to share a quick story. Um, I spent 14 of my years in South Central L.A., and uh, I ministered to a lot of families while I was there, but I spent a lot of my time with youth. And I remember I was sitting on the front steps with one of my youth, uh, 12-year-old Stephen. And I was waiting to talk to his mom. And across the street from where we were, there was, um, there was a car full of older men. They were literally OGs, okay. These were gangsters on the street, the older guys, right. And um, our, our neighborhood was a blood neighborhood. And it, they had a lot of pride about that. Kids from an early age would be rocking the red hats and the red sneakers and everything. But we're sitting there. And even though Stephen knows that many people on our street have been rocked by the hardship of drive-by shootings and violence and death. He said to me, Susie, I can't wait to grow up and be just like these guys. And I already knew the answer to this, but I asked him why. And he said, well, look at them. They got the nice cars. They got the nice shoes. They got the nice clothes. They got the women. He, he couldn't see that there was a lot of pain behind that. He couldn't see that there was a desire for more, even in the hearts of those men who looked like they had it all. But the 12-year-old Stephen, he saw something, it looked good to him, and he wanted it. You know what I think kids like Stephen need? Not just kids like Stephen in South Central L.A., and I'll talk more about this tomorrow, but there's so much good in South L.A. too. It's not just a bunch of drugs and violence and gangs. But I'll talk more about that tomorrow. Um, Stephen, like these kids in Orange County or on the west side of Vancouver, kids even who come from privilege, who might have access to it all, allow the wrong things to inform what's important. If they have never been transformed by the renewing of their mind and they don't know the truth of Scripture, they don't know what the will of God is for their lives. And so what maybe kids like Stephen or that kid in Irvine or that kid on the west end of Vancouver needs is to see someone who lives differently. This is my charge to all of you here at Trinity Western University. I know all of you have a different story, but to some degree, you have a great de deal of privilege being here. You know how many people would love to be in a setting like this. Not only to have a world-class education, but to be in a place that's founded and, and, and celebrates the foundation of scriptural truth at that. You have a community of believers. I was so blessed just seeing the group of students right here that were huddled up praying. You have access to things like that. And you have access to a lot of privilege right here in your years on campus. So please don't squander that. Recognize, like Daniel, have a grateful heart that God has meant for you to be here at this time with purpose. And I pray that with humility, you will offer up your life to shine glory back unto God, just like Daniel did. Will you join me tomorrow as we continue in the story of Daniel? Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for being a good God. For allowing us here in January on 2020 to gather together freely to worship you, to hear the word and be transformed by it. 
So God, I ask, I pray a blessing over every student that is here right now, that their hunger for the word would be deep, that their times in prayer and fellowship and worship unto you would be rich. And God, we ask, please set a firm foundation for all of us so that we may live lives of excellence unto your glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message has challenged, encouraged, and inspired you as we continue learning and growing together in discipleship to Jesus. Every week, you'll find new chapel messages on our channel from local and international speakers ranging in diverse and engaging topics. So go ahead and subscribe for the latest of what's going on in chapel. Much love and happy listening.